All right, you guys may be seated. Um, quick recap, Second Timothy is Paul's final book. Um, this is kind of like the end of his life. He's most likely going to be killed, uh, and he knows that. He's in a, in a rough spot. It's not house arrest. He's in like a dungeon, um, and, and he is, has all the, all the times he's been in prison before. This one is like a whole nother level, um, and so he's, there's a lot of emotion in this, uh, he's, he's really sharing from his heart and he's really wanting his friends to be near him. He wants people to come by him and be near him. And, uh, so he can hang out with them. Uh, people have not treated him well in the sense of they've kind of abandoned him and walked away a lot of, a lot of them. Uh, and so he's in that position that he writes and he's encouraging Timothy to continue on, okay, and to, and to continue and to remember what it's worth the good fight, what we're about, why we're about it. So uh, verse 13, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Hold fast. It's, it's if the two words together, it's, it's like this word have, like have it, own it in a sense. The pattern of, or the template of sound words. Like, remember and grab onto what you've learned. This is not something new. Remember, Paul said, I preached to you the gospel I also received. This is not something I've come up with or found a new angle on. We don't need to improve this. It's, it's right there, and it's powerful, and it's good. So hold fast. Grab onto it. Own these sound words, which you have heard from me. Uh, the sound words are sound teaching or sound doctrine. Uh, he, he, that's somewhat interchangeable when he says that. The, this doctrine, these things that we, we hold on to and we grab on to. Uh, been in the process of writing doctrinal statements. And they're, they're hard. They're not super long, but they're, you have to really word it right. And Because every word matters. Because every word has implications for your life. And so the way that you line up your doctrine and, and where you stand and how you stand and what you believe matters a lot. We can see this around how easy it is for things to get off. How easy it is for stuff to get messed up, for things to get polluted and distorted and, and destroyed. And so Paul is saying, keep these doctrines close. Know them and then filter your life through them. See, a lot of the problems that were happening in, in Rome and to Ephesus, where Paul's writing to Timothy at, uh, they have some of the same problems we have now. It's a battle of the worldview, okay? Worldview is everything. What is the worldview? It's a particular philosophy or life or conception of the world. It's the way you see the world. And there is a, a battle to try to get us to, to walk away from the Christian worldview. Have you seen it? Right? All these things get entered in. I mean, they don't have to make sense. That's what's really interesting. But it's, it's, it's the, there's a battle, and it's a strategic plan to get us off a Christian worldview. So understand, just by, by being in it, you are being affected by it. Just living here. Just watching TV. Just hanging out, listening to the radio. You're being affected by a worldview that is trying to get us off of Christ. 
And so the doctrines are what preserves our thinking and our understanding and what we then filter our life through. So if our worldview is good, everything, it all, everything else aligns. If we really believe this, then everything else will be filtered through that, right? And we, and we understand this, right? The things you grow up thinking, you filter the world through that. And that's what's really interesting. You go on uh, mission trips or, or just even go on vacation overseas, and you find out the things you thought were so normal might not be so normal somewhere else. One of the things that frustrated me beyond belief when we do mission trips in Europe is the fact that they don't put ice in their drinks. Who else has experienced this? Like, no ice? Like, are you kidding me? They're like, here's a warm Coca-Cola and it's like 100 degrees in humidity. And you're like, that is not what I want. You're like, I just need some water and you go get water and it's sparkling. Sparkling water. I'm not a Opposed to that. As a matter of fact, it's gotten more popular here. But I need something refreshing. I would like it to be cold. So what did we do on our mission trip? We're in Rome, Italy. It's a beautiful place and that's uh, so unique. We went to um, the House of Blues, an American restaurant where you can get ice in your drink and they refill it for free. So American. Well, it was like one of the things we, we I was like, I need ice, man. And so the way we, we expect things and look at things and, and filter the world, it, it has a lot to do with where we're coming from. So what he's saying is, is pay attention to the doctrine and keep hold, grab onto, like know this. Walk through this daily. Know, remind yourself constantly of who you are in Christ. And much, much of the problems we see today is a departure those who really don't know what they believe. So they're easily deceived and talked into new ideas that align with the current worldview. Have we seen this? Yes. But it's funny, before we get too cocky, we've got to like examine our lives. Because I, I guarantee you, every one of us in here has been influenced and has been swayed by something going on around us. That's why we constantly return to the word. And we constantly don't try and make it make sense for the current worldview we're in. We, we allow it to speak and to become the line of which we align our lives by. This has been so, so uh, effective for thousands of years, for everyone who chose to follow Jesus and align their life with him, there has been a, a overwhelming success in, in life, godliness, and fruitful li uh, uh, fruit to the account of those who have done this, right? And so we look back and we, we go back to that and we rem remember that because worldviews have come and gone. The, the idea of a non-Christian, you know, Christ-centered worldview, I mean, that's been the thing forever. That was exactly what they were dealing with here. That was what they are trying to get people to understand. And so this is why this doctrine and understanding of what we believe, why we believe it, and how that applies to me is super, super important. And that's why he's reminding Timothy, okay, to hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me. Okay, hold fast to this. Keep those doctrines close. For the devoted follower of Christ to remain, there must be a holding fast to these teachings of Christ. And we must be convinced of the goodness and realness of God, and then we align ourselves with him and, and his view 
And, and when we come into a contrast with the world, the world is, loses. We, we, we trust him and we honor him and we follow him. Or else we're going to be swayed and, and um, you know, distracted and pulled from everything. So we're reaping what we've sown, I think, too, as a church. I think um, we've, we've kind of given uh, too much shallow. It's become really, really shallow. Uh, a Christian Christianity has become really shallow. The messages have become really shallow. What has been asked of believers has become really shallow. And so I think we're like kind of like anemic and, and malnourished. And we don't know who we are or why we're here. We've, we've kind of come to believe the worldview around us that you were meant to live for yourself. You were meant to bless yourself. You were meant to, to hey, go to church, align with Jesus, but like, man, have all the fun you could have. Uh, don't let that get in the way of the greater thing. I, I believe we should have fun, by the way. I believe we should be uh, like full of joy. We should be life everywhere that we go. We should do fun things and good things. But I think when that becomes your God and it starts sac- you start sacrificing your relationship with the Lord for it, this is a big, big problem. And we might not even know how far in it's crept into our lives. So we got to remind ourselves again and again of what a real Christian looks like. Because a lot of the stuff that's become popular, and we've mentioned the last couple of weeks, is it's like the exact opposite. All you'd have to do is read the Gospels and then read the letters uh, that Paul wrote and go, this is clearly not what the, what the uh, resurrected, ascended Christ established church is called us to do, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right? So we look at that, we look at the world around us, and we have to look inside ourselves, because it's so fun. I mean, I love just going, look at the world, ah, look at how messed up they are, look at the hypocrisy. But then you you don't want to look at the hypocrisy in your own life, because that's painful. Don't, who are you to judge? Now all of a sudden we're like, who are you to judge? You become like Tupac, only God could judge me. You guys know that? Okay. But, but we, we have to look at it for ourselves and go, man, what is wrong with me? So I think a lot of the problems is there's been a departure from the depth of knowing Christ and, and establishing our life surrounded by him. We've grown, so we have, we've got shallow seeds. We've got shallow messages. We've got shallow expectations. Uh, and now we've, been cultivating nothing good. The root could, why? Because our roots are, are shallow as a church, as a, as, a, as a whole. I think that's, this is what, I really believe this with all my heart. I believe that the, the church, especially the U.S., the United States, the church is going to return to depth. I really believe that. And I believe that, and that's why a lot of the stuff we're going to be doing is going to be catering towards discipleship depth, knowing what we believe. I saw this video this week. Youth had, they heard this on Friday. But I saw this video this week, and I was, it was this, you know, Instagram, you know, stuff just shows up. And you're like, what is this? Oh, I wonder what it says. And it, and it was like, obviously, a controversial topic of the day. It was like, homosexuality in the Bible. And she, and she gave this beautifully articulate, you know, 
thing. And, and it was like all scholars agree and all this. And I was like listening to it. And I was like going, I literally just wrote a paper on this. Not all scholars agree. You're forgetting a major part of this. You didn't even translate that right. And I, so as you're looking at it, and then I'm looking at all these people again and again and again, commenting, 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 commenting. Yet, oh, okay, thank you so much for, for letting us know. I can't believe I've been so off for all these years. And all these people like justify and all this stuff. And I'm like going, you don't even know why you believe what you believe. We don't even know this. Uh, do, is the way that, that Christians treat people uh, who, are, uh, who are in sin imbalanced sometimes? When it's our sin, we're like, hey, listen, man, we're, you know, we're all flawed. We're, we're working on it. You know, cool, knuckles, let's go. Your sin's terrible. I'm going to destroy, you know, whatever. God's going to burn you to, to the stake. No, this is not how Christians act, but we absolutely also do not shy away from truth. But why is it not? I don't think it's because people are necessarily cowards. I think they just don't even know what they believe. It's bumper sticker Christianity, right? <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's shallow. So if we were to look back at Christianity through the ages, I love to, to look at it. The, the believers of the past were among the leading scholars, used to be back in the day that, that in, even in the villages and in the towns, the, the pastors were like leaders of the village, of the town. They were a lot of times the most educated. They, they, were, they, they were the ones that like helped drive everything around them. It's like, now it's like become like, oh, if you're, you better not think too much or else you'll become like the world. No, we need to be thinkers. We need to be, uh, to be deep have depth, real conversations, right? So back then there were the leading scholars, the leading scientists. You think there's a war between faith and science? Science is, it was, much, was largely uh, furthered by Christians who were looking at the, the world in depth. Man, it, it, the sciences can be absolutely beautiful unless you're using it abusively to shape people's worldview. So that's where a lot of our, our leading scientists came from. Doctors, hospitals, artists, like beautiful artists. What about uh, composers? Bach, Solo Deo Gloria, the end of his, all this stuff, right? He, he was like, to the, glory, to, to the God alone be the glory. This was all over this stuff. Right, and we would look at all these people who are who are used mightily by God, and they were in, infiltrating the world, and they are still still relevant in a sense where we live now, and 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 we still look back at what they've done in awe, in amazement. Right, or or yeah, musicians in general, like some of the great musicians were. This, so I think about like the depth that Christianity once had. And I think that the reason that there was such depth to it is because they were literally deep. They were, uh, they were devoted to following Jesus. And, and I think modern Christianity, we've been plagued a lot by cheap counterfeits. What's Christian music? Um, it's like secular music, but worse with Christian lyrics. You know, that used to be like, that's exactly what I thought. I remember I, I got saved and I was like, what do I do now? So I started listening. I'm not going to put a radio station on blast. God bless him. Maybe it's better now. I don't know. But it was a radio station that I knew was a Christian music radio station. Um, and, they, and between pledge drives, they would play some terrible, terrible music. And I was like, okay, so I guess I got to listen to this now. 
because I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to be like disrespectful, but, but I think that there's like you would seriously, if you were to line it up to secular music, it was, it was like almost verbatim, like they would, they would rip everything, rip everything. Take everything from one and put it on the other and then just put Christian lyrics on it. You go, this is not what we were created to do. I do. This is not ruling and subduing the land. This is not being created to create. But why is that? It's because of lack of depth. And so what do we do? We see, oh, people aren't showing up for church anymore. They're not coming to church. So what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to make the message even shorter. We're going to make it less, we don't want to get too stuck in doctrine or any of that stuff because that's kind of like, ah, it's kind of heavy. I don't know if people are really going to want to hear this. And I think there's a point for evangelism. I love a simple message. I think that we absolutely should be a simple message, but we've removed the depth of it and we don't expect anything from anyone and we don't give them anything. So I think instead of people wanting and, and desiring less, we're actually all desiring more. We're a lot hungrier than we think. That's why when you taste of doing something, walking with God or growing in understanding and your life starts to change and you go, whoa, this is amazing. I want more. I need more of this. So the opposite, we're, we've kind of gotten in this position where we, we think we need to do one thing, but we actually need to do the opposite. You know, I, I heard a guy talking. He's like, you don't need to ask less of young men you need to act, ask more of young men and women but it was saying like how a lot of times they're just aimless they don't know where they're going you're like well we've got to keep them entertained we've got to kind of keep them on the fray and it's like no we, we're going to expect more from you we want to see more out of you and so how do we do that? We develop and we bring them in and we talk about real things and we discuss the scriptures and the doctrines that God has aligned and then we wrestle with these in light of the world that we're living in. Here's the, here's the good news. This holds up. The good news of the gospel, the doctrines of faith, they absolutely hold up. And so the... the, the um, the narrative that's out there that like, listen, religion is irrelevant. It's eventually going away. Christianity, it's just like, it's this close to being done. That, that narrative has been told many times before, by the way. But usually the result ends up where people start digging in deeper. Some, a lot of them, get, they go with the way of the culture. They go. It's because like, okay, I guess that's the way. Or, yeah, I always wondered about that. Or, yeah, I can't imagine a God who would, who would think that what I do isn't good. I can't imagine a God that wouldn't agree with me completely. So I'm going to go ahead and rewrite these things. And then we're going to start becoming more and more of a progressive Christian, which is one step away from being not one. Because now you're rewriting everything once you rewrite everything. By the way, let me, I'm going to rant here a little bit, but I feel like it it's, it's makes sense with what we're talking about. The idea of like the deconstruction, you guys hear this? Deconstructionism, deconstructing my faith. Um, I think that there's a value to that in the sense of we are constantly bringing on extra garbage to our faith with Jesus. We, have, we, we, are, we collect extra junk that does not belong there, that is not in Scripture, Deconstruct that stuff all you want. 
But when you start saying, the Bible says this, I don't like that. I don't feel like I agree with that. And I think it might hurt some feelings. You can't de deconstruct that. That is not something you can deconstruct. Cultural stuff that we've brought into it and said, this must be the way it is because I've always done it like this, even though I don't have a biblical basis for it. That stuff needs to be deconstructed. We constantly need to pull off the junk that's no good in our life. We constantly need to, to remove the weeds from the garden so that, they can, so that the plants can grow and produce fruit. So I'm not afraid of the word, but I am afraid of the con like uh, what it usually means. And so we've got to be really careful how we look at the doctrines, these doctrines, and how we view scripture and how we give ourselves a pass. And you give yourself a pass enough times, pretty soon you, you've passed on the whole thing. So I'm convicted, you should be convicted, right? So we don't want to deal with anymore with, with cheap counterfeits of culture, feel good, you know, it's where it's only about feel good messages. I think you should come every Sunday and be encouraged. I really do. Because I think Paul was constantly encouraging them, but he also dealt with hard things. And bowing to societal demands. We, we, we're going to, as long as we continue to live off these same anecdotal solutions and we neglect the deep life Jesus calls us into, we are going to be malnourished. And we're going to be bummed. And we're going to be like, I don't know if church is even worth it. I don't know if Christianity is even worth it. I'm not getting what I need out of this. It's like, what, what, where is it taking root and, and hold of your life to where God is so real and God is so good that you can't like help but study and know him more? I mean, that's where I have to ask myself that because I, I felt like even this last couple of years, there's been like a, a whole new world of depth. I feel like I could see even clearer the, the great, like how big God is and how much better the Bible is than I even thought, how much more put together and weaved together and perfectly aligned the message is and how it's been said from the very beginning God has made a way and now we're living in that way and now we're part of what is to come. We, we, have, we are now in it. We are part of history. We're living in it. We don't ask less. We want to ask more. Lord, what do you want from us? And what we go, I'm too busy. Well, then we need to get rid of some stuff. <laughs> right? That good thing which was committed to you, verse 14, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. You know, what did you start with? That was one of the things we in our marriage, our last session, that was really good. He was talking about, um, you know, grabbing onto uh, wherever you started from. And he was saying how, like, some guys will, will start from, like, they were brought into a negative 9 on a scale of negative 10 to positive 10. He says some guys were brought in on a negative 9, and they've brought their marriage to a negative 3. And he's like, that's progress. <laughs> you're going the right direction. And he says, you're actually doing better than the guy who was brought up in a positive seven and is now in a positive three. That's regression, you know, progression versus regression. And so you want to see what do you do with what's been given to you? How do you work with what you have? And, and, and constantly, it's like daily growing and changing and being shaped and, and being molded into his image. How do we do this? So what's the good thing that's been committed to you, Timothy? Keep it by the Holy Spirit. 
we got to take what has been given to us, the culture, wherever it's at. We can't, we can't wish for what it used to be. We've got to take it wherever we're at, the church right here, right now, and we take the baton and we are going to run with it. We're going to run with what we've been given and go forward. And then we will pass it to the next generation, hopefully better than we got it when we, when we came. It'd be the, the idea, right? Like a four by relay, you know? Where, have you ever seen it where someone just makes up so much ground? It's amazing. Like someone is really, really fast and they'll be in like fourth place and then all of a sudden their third or second runner just absolutely just tears it up, makes up all this ground and, and then gives the lead and they pass it to the, the last person, the, what do they call it, the um, anchor, yes. And then the anchor takes it all the way in. You go, here you go. I've passed this to you. Now take it, run with it, finish So he says, the good thing that was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So what has been given to you, take the good doctrine, the good teaching, the good understanding, how you've been discipled, how you've been nourished, how you've been encouraged. Take it and keep it by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So thankfully, we have this helper, the Holy Spirit. We've been given the provisions to do what we've been called to do. The Holy Spirit is the helper to get us there, to convict us. And that's the thing, right? The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. It leads us into truth, leads us into uh, understanding, right? It can give it, empower us. There's gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he's given us what we need, the provisions. Hey, look, and that's, that's so exciting to me when you think about the provisions, you have everything you need to do this. You know, I, I did not leave you lacking. That's, that's like the worst feeling in the world is, is to be left lacking. And, and I'll give you an example that you all will cringe if you've done this. You get Ikea furniture, and it's lacking some pretty ex- important pieces. It's just like, what am I supposed to do with this? It was a uh, cabinet, and now it is a bookshelf. Because I don't have the stuff to make the door go on, you know, or whatever. And it's like, man, it's so frustrating if something like that happens. But this is not that case. We've been given everything we need. He's given us the will to do it and the ability to do it. So, so the thing that God has called us to and is calling us to do, I think there's a universal calling to all of us in the church, and then there's a specific calling. So like a general calling and then a specific calling to each person individually. He has given you what you need to do it. And you will not be fulfilled if you don't do it. You will always be bummed. You'll make more money than you ever thought you could ever make, potentially. And it won't feel like enough. You have a better, bigger house than you ever thought you'd be able to afford. And it's not going to feel like enough. You're going to have great friends, great career, great vacations, and it will never feel like enough because we've not entered into the thing we were created to do. We were made to do this. So the Holy Spirit dwells in us. You've been given the provision. We need to create a sensitivity to the Spirit and not grieve the Spirit. That's the other part, right? So that's what happens. That's where we're in danger where we go, I read the Bible and it said something I didn't like, so I'm, I crossed it out. And I didn't 
And we would never do that, right? That's not religious. I would not cross it out. Except for when you underline and you accidentally kind of cross it out, which I do. <sighs> Why did I do that? You know. But we would never do that physically, but we do do it mentally. That's not applying to me. So when every time we do that, usually it's because there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit. There's a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And as that sensitivity hits us, we go, I don't really like the way that feels. Time to move on. This builds up in a sense, scar tissue. We, we stop being able to hear as clearly and we start getting less of a sensitivity to what God is speaking to us. Why is that a problem? Because you won't be able to do what God has called you to do with a, with a, like a walkie-talkie that you can't hear out of. That was like when I was a kid. You could not hear, you know, it was like, I remember when they first got the ones that were, that you were quiet between you were talking, but the ones we had were like, and you're like, okay. Sorry, Brad. I probably blew out your ears and the headphones there. But you remember that, and you're like, oh, these walkie-talkies are awesome. What do they say? I have no idea. And then someone finds the SOS thing, and it's like, you go, okay. That's enough of that. But if we can't clearly decipher what is being said, how, how are we going to do it? Especially when it's so confusing and the world is so complex how do we do the one thing we've been called to do if we are not living with the sensitivity and understand the holy spirit how again i think also a way that the holy spirit often speaks is he highlights scripture as you're reading it so how does that work you read scripture (laughs) you spend time reading the bible or you listen to a message and you go oh my that is for me I, I, I love, and it happens, it's happened a lot where people say, that was for me. I needed to hear that today. And I go, cool, way to show up. <laughs> what if you weren't here to hear the thing that was for you? <laughs> show up. You show up at church. We show up in, our, in the morning devotional. We, we show up with our attention to listen to things that matter. Messages, podcasts, books on tape. Worship, getting alone with God, the one that's like neglected a lot, just getting away, hearing from him. So he's encouraging us on what we're supposed to do. Uh, And I think, man, this is an ageless thing, right? It was relevant then, it's relevant now, and it's been relevant for every generation between. And it will continue to be relevant. So how do we bolster that? How do we set that up? We, we, we make it a priority to do. Hard work now, blessings later. Chill out now, trouble later. Verse 15, this you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. Among uh, those are Vigelis and Mogenes. Um, sounds very scientific. Uh, those names, um, but they are these two that have turned away from Paul. I, it's, I don't think it was all, all. I think he just felt like it was all because he's going to reference um, Onesiphorus, and he's also talking to Timothy in Asia. So it's not everyone, but it felt like it. You know, you feel like I, I've like lost all. You feel like, I, where are all my friends? And you're like, well, they, you have them. You don't have like none, but he just was pretty bummed out. And especially because Paul really valued relationships. Because that's what, I mean, at the end of every 
usually at the beginning and the end of his letter, he's like, he's naming people that he like loves and he's praying for and so excited that he's with them and all this and that. So he's really bummed out that they've turned away from him. Now, why do they turn away from him? Because he's in big trouble with the law and it's not like a joke. Like in, and even being connected to Paul could get you killed. It's pretty heavy. And so a lot of people ran away because they're scared. That's the escape thing to do. And so he's like bummed out on that, right? Sadly, he's alone because fear has taken over. And, and that's so hard and such a bummer. Uh, verse 16, though, it says, Lord, grant mercy to the house of Anisiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. Um, this was someone who loved even when it was inconvenient. He went after Paul to find him. Because um, a lot of times you're like, you miss a call and you're like, oh, it rings two times. All right, I tried. <laughs> you know, this is, that's not what that is. This is like running you down. You know, like he was zealously finding Paul because it was apparently very hard to find him. I think probably because a lot of people didn't want to say they knew where he was or he was not very highly sought after. So this was what, what he was doing was actually extremely dangerous by saying, I need to talk to Paul. I got to find Paul. And he ministered, we'll find out he ministers to him in that position. He arrived at Rome, he sought me very zealously, and he found me. He's, he refreshed him. He was not ashamed of him. Right? And he says, uh, yeah, the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me in Ephesus. So he was, this was a man who's, who's, who has ministered to Paul multiple times that has gone out of his way to help Paul. Th was this convenient? Absolutely not. It was not convenient. Um, it would have been easy to not do. It would have been easy to give up on doing it. But he, he persisted. And that persistence really mattered to Paul. When we meet people in a trial, it can be really hard <laughs> I mean, just to be honest, when you meet people, when they're in a, a trial or they're in, in, enduring tragedy or they're like, uh, you know, grieving, there is, there, you take it on. You like knowingly go into it and take it on. Like we weep with those who weep. We mourn with those who mourn. And, and when you go into battle and the trials and the struggles, you are going into it with them. This is hard. Everybody, know, everybody who's done this, you know how difficult it is to walk with people who are, who are really going through. But you know, if someone has walked with you through these dark times and has been there when no one else showed up for you, it has a huge value, right? And, and there's something about that that is like so beautiful, so it's hard. You're brought into the trial with them, but you, it's you showing up, you being there, you putting out an effort when you have nothing to gain and actually something to lose will have a huge effect on people's lives. We're not gonna, but we can't do that if we're only thinking about ourselves. Jesus spoke of how highly he considers ministering 
to those in need in Matthew chapter 25. He said, when the Son of Man comes, verse 31, uh, in, in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you come, you blessed my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did you see a stranger and take when did we see a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So just, Jesus is reminding them that like when you're when you show up in these situations, it's unto the Lord. And that was one of the big things, even in our last day of marriage, because it was like, here's how you can help this person uh, in the marriage study. Here's how you can, you know, bless this person, and here's how they could bless you, and here's what men need, and here's what women need, and, and here's, like, you know, how you do it, and here's how you receive, you know, all the benefits of doing it. And at the very end of it is, like, if, if they don't respond, keep doing it as unto the Lord. And that's what's in Ephesians. It says, as unto the Lord. When you work, you work as unto the Lord. So everything we do it is as unto the Lord, which kind of helps because you go, I don't know if this person really deserves my help. They might not. But, but if, if doing it is, is a blessing as unto the Lord, do it. We do it. And so what Onisipo, I'm trying not to say his name a bunch of times because it's a really hard name to say. Onisiphorus. Yeah. And that'll be the last time. When he, when he goes and he, and, he, and he ministers to Paul, it was like as unto Christ. And, and what, what does that text in Matthew tell us? There's a reward for this. There is a reward for for this. Can you imagine, like, are God's blessings good in your life? Think about something that was so clearly God that it was like he did it, and it just, it, it, there's no way you could say it wasn't him. Think about that blessing. Now, could you imagine what a reward looks like? <laughs> just think about that. Because I think sometimes we think, oh, heaven, we get to heaven, and it's all good. So, like, what's gooder? It's all good, you know? I, I know that's not a word. I do know that. But I, I say that to say, like, it seems, like, irrelevant. But, no, there's, there is, there's crowns and there's rewards. And, and I think a lot of the rewards are what it makes us into here as well. Because this is what changes us from the inside out. But, but it, it's easier and, and it's to see it as, I'm doing this unto you, but I'm also doing it as unto Christ, as unto the Lord, for his glory. And you know what else helps with that? 
is then you don't expect anything in return. You're not expecting, I helped you. Where were you when I needed some help? You know, and that's a, there's a, there's some validity to that question to some extent, but if it's unto the Lord, you're like, yeah, well, he's still kind of winning in the whole blessing thing. But we do it as unto the Lord. This text is a call to do, to do and be the real thing, every aspect of our life. Will it take work? Yes. But we were made to work. We were made to do good work. People who don't work have, are aimless. Their lives are terrible. You know, it's, it's not good. We are, work is a good thing. I mean, if you're retired, that's cool. Enjoy that. But when you're supposed to be working, there's like a thing where you're like, I am going crazy. I need to do something. I need to work. I need to get out there. I need to do something. You're made to do this. This will take work. We can also trust the reward from the Lord will outweigh any discomfort we experience on this side of eternity. Anything that, any sort of discomfort you experience here, the, the reward will, will make it like nothing. Remember that's what Paul says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Right? We have this e- eternal lasting glory. It comes from the Lord. Are God's blessings good? Yes, of course they are. Imagine what heavenly rewards would look like. That's, that's what keeps us in that position. So think about what's going on around us. Uh, we need to grow in our understanding and knowing who and what we believe. So we're, we're starting to, I'm, I'm really trying to think about this. How do we do this? How do we apply this? How do I grow in knowing, knowing, knowing what I believe in depth? So when you hear somebody say something and they say, well, actually, in the original Greek, this word was never anywhere else. And you're like, yes, but it was here. And this is, you know, in the Septuagint, that's the same word. If you know this stuff, it's like, it's such a benefit. And so it's not like for the high and lofty. Doctrine is not for theologians. Doctrine is for all of us. We've got to know what we believe and why. And that will help us. And then we do it. Just like our buddy O, you know. He, he, he did it. He was doing it. He lived it out. So it's understanding, thinking, knowing uh, uh, applying that to the way we, we interact with the world from depth, not shallow, depth, deep roots. So we, we, we do it in faith and love. That's the other thing it says, right? You've heard from me. Hold fast to the pattern of sound words, which you've heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. So everything we do is in faith and it's in love. Faith, pistis, it's another word. It can mean allegiance to so without doubting, without backing down, uh, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And in love, we care about the people that we're ministering to and that we're talking to and that we're contending with. I mean, do you think that there's a valuable voice for people who absolutely know what they believe to enter into the world and to speak things that, that, that the world doesn't want to hear with faith, unaltering faith and allegiance towards Christ and love. And the word love here is agape. Selfless, godly love. I mean, do you guys see this? Do you think we need this? You know what the cool thing is? We're not looking for someone to do it. It's us. It's you. 
It's me. Lord, thank you that you care about us and our, our well-being, and, and it's your, your plan, your idea, sanctifi our sanctification, our growing in likeness of you. We want to know you really, really, really well, and we want to, like, not back down from the, the threats of the world.